Hi, this is Paul Butler. I'm the Senior Pastor of New Heart Baptist Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope that this podcast will be a great blessing to you and encourage your life. It is great to be with you this morning. It's, it's been a journey, I have to say. I can now lift my arm. Isn't that exciting? I just can't put a microphone on myself. I still need help with that. So all these things you still learn. But I have to say, I, God's goodness in the midst of it has just continued to be wonderful. But I have to say, for me, after that surgery, it was Panadol was all that was actually needed. And that was the goodness of God. It really was, in term, for me, just of God's faithfulness. Okay, so I celebrate that. I also celebrate, you mentioned about Taran. I was at the uh, Rochdale High Awards night during the week, and I sent this to the youth leaders the day after. I said, hey, youth leaders, just letting you know, Rochdale High had their awards night last night. Becky Bruce received multiple awards and the highest academic award for year nine. Chloe McKenzie received multiple awards and the highest academic award for year 10. And Taryn, year 11. Right? Caleb and Felicity Hall, Caleb and Isabel Gardner received awards. Angel, Cody and Nick all received high achievement awards. Also, Ellie McKenzie received an award from her school the night before. How good is that? Now... Now, our youth pastor, Paul Westall, he actually responded and he said, "How actually? Fen- that's actually phenomenal. How many awards our youth group has claimed? Insanity. Well done, everyone. So proud. P.S. Maybe we could use it in the marketing. If you want to get good grades and win awards, come to New Heart Youth. <laughs> Love his perspective on it, don't you? Yes. So, so just really celebrating the goodness of God. Now, the other thing is I watched the service last week on Zoom and it was wonderful to have the baptisms, wasn't it? I know that, yes. I know there are some people, though, who have been Christians for years who have not been baptised. Why? Why not being baptised yet? What's holding you back? Okay? My challenge for you is maybe God's saying, don't let fear stand in your way. It's time to get baptised. Okay? The other thing is, you notice we've got doors and windows that are open. Why? Thank you, Sue. She sent me a uh, podcast to listen to about ventilation. And ventilation, all we've got in our media that stirs up fear, 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 okay? But there are these ones that have actually done some studies and realised that the more we have good ventilation, the less COVID is actually having an influence. So that's why we have the windows and the doors open. It's all about ventilation. Isn't that good? And yes, I do listen, and yes, I do take things on board. All right. <laughs> My wife can vouch for that at times. But anyway, it's all right. Uh, look, for me recently, I'll get into this. Um, for recently, I've been reading through 1 Chronicles. And I love 1 Chronicles where it's, you know, it's not about the list of all the names and the people, but 1 Chronicles where it's been speaking about David. David, this man who he prayed, and it gives the description, he inquired of God. And it's a beautiful description because it was saying that he wasn't relying on his own understanding, he was seeking after God. But as well as that, it also goes on to talk about the exploits of David and his mighty men. And uh, these mighty men, they were warriors. They were people who were victorious in battle. They did not let fear stand in their way. Instead, they stepped into it and they just overcame on many occasions. Sure enough, they had some defeats, but on most occasions, you hear of them being victorious in battle. 
And that word warrior, it means strong and mighty. But what about us? Are we strong and mighty? Well, if we look in the New Testament, we can hold on to verses like Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Yes, we can hold on to those. But Stuart, I love your three-point sermon before. Thank you for that. You know, the reality is, though, when we're in that third point, when we're going, life is horrible and it looks horrible and I don't understand why am I going through all of this, that at times I know that we can actually blame God and go, God, why are you allowing this to happen? In fact, I believe in, there are some Christians in our, in our nation in particular who are more people that worry and are consumed by worry and fear and doubt than they are actually warriors who are strong and mighty. Over this last month or so, we've been hearing preaching about loving the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our mind and strength, loving our neighbour as ourselves and fulfilling the Great Commission going out into all the world, preaching the good news and baptising in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. But our love for God will be reflected in our love for other people and our partnering in the Great Commission. And so therefore, for, for some people, when they are consumed by worry and fear and doubt, when they go to actually start to speak, oh no, that, that fear and doubt, that takes over. And I've had people who have shared with me and said, pray, can you pray for me, Brad? Because, you know, I go to talk about my faith and, and it just, I, I struggle to get the words out. What's the problem? We're loving more what others might think of us or say of it to us than we are about loving God. And we need to put the focus on loving God and not actually worrying about what others might respond to us because we want the love of God to be able to fill that person's heart. But you know, that love for God and love for others and the fulfilment of the Great Commission, it's also reflected in our prayer life or lack thereof. It's a bit like um, I did ask Sue last week, you know, what chocolates do you like? Cherry ripe, Sue, would you like the packet? No? Would you like the packet? No? They're saying it's an empty packet. You're right, it is empty. Okay? Because... They're all here. Would you like these? No, she's really disciplined. Well, there you go. What's the, what's the point? The fact is, our prayer life can be a bit like this. We have the outer wrapping, but we lack the substance. We actually lack the depth because we just give this almost like tokenistic prayers that actually only gloss on the surface rather than going into the depth of what we can actually really pour out in prayer. You know, I know that there are some people who go, oh, look, you know, I just don't know what to pray. Or, you know, or when, or I just don't have the time, or even how to pray. There are other people who go, well, why bother praying when my prayers don't get answered? Or why pray when people criticise what I pray? Hey, yeah, I've been there. I've had people criticise what I've prayed. I actually had it at a prayer day at Bible college wasn't a good thing. It wasn't a good thing. Had it at a um, church years ago when I first elders meeting I turned up to. I was a young guy and turned up to the elders meeting and they said, oh, can you open in prayer? I prayed. And as soon as I finished praying, one of the elders looks at me and goes, we don't pray such and such. The Catholics do, but we don't pray that. <laughs> really? I don't even know what it was at this day. All right. But I remember being actually told, we don't pray such and such. 
What's the problem? All it does, it stunts a person's prayer life rather than actually growing their prayer life. And it's not healthy. What is prayer? It's that pouring out of our heart to God. It's not about a scale of, oh, that one's a good prayer. I'll give that a 9 out of 10. No. As soon as we start to rate prayers, all we do is actually hinder someone else praying. Correct. Concentrating on them rather than God. And then we have some people who go, well, why should I pray when I feel like God doesn't hear me? Well, what if he did suddenly speak to you audibly one day? How would that change your prayer life? It's been said the praying is something that we do in our time, but the answers come in God's time. It was also said by Brother Andrew, who is the founder of Open Doors, if we understood the potential power of our prayers, we would be on our knees a hundred times a day, asking him for things that would turn the world upside down. So again, I ask, what if we prayed and God suddenly audibly answered would we pray more? Would it change our life? Would it change our approach to prayer? We'll just watch this. Watch this skit. Oh, I'm so tired. I know I need to pray before going to bed. I'll do a quick one. That way I won't feel guilty. Our Father who art in heaven. Yes. <laughs> Our Father who art in heaven. Yes. Don't interrupt me. I'm praying. But you called me. Called you? I didn't call you. I'm praying. Our Father who art in heaven. There. You did it again. Did what? Called me. You said, Our Father who art in heaven. Here I am. What's on your mind? But I didn't mean anything by it. I was just, you know, saying my prayers for the day. I always say the Lord's Prayer. It makes me feel good, kind of like I'm doing my duty. Yeah, all right, go on. Hallowed be thy name. Hold it. What do you mean by that? By what? Hallowed be thy name. It means, it means, I don't know what it means. How should I know? It's just part of the prayer. By the way, what does it mean? It means honoured, holy, wonderful. Well, why couldn't they just use those words instead? I, I was never sure what hallowed meant anyway. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you really mean that? Sure, why not? What are you doing about it? Doing? Nothing, I guess. I just think it would be neat if you had control of everything down here like you do up there. Have I got control of you? Well, I go to church... I carry a Bible sometimes. That isn't what I asked you. What about your bad temper, that habit of idolatry, and the computer gaming that you have? You've really got a problem there, you know. And then there's the way you spend all your money all on yourself. What about the kind of books you read? Hey, stop picking on me. I'm just as good as some of the rest of those at church. Excuse me? I thought you were praying for my will to be done. If that is to happen, we'll have to start with the ones who are praying for it. Like you, for example. Oh, all right. I guess I do have some hang-ups. Now that you mention it, I could probably name some others. So could I. <laughs> I haven't thought about it until now, but I really would like to cut some of those things out. I'd like to, you know, be really free. 
Good. Now we're really getting somewhere. We'll work together. You and I can have some victories that can truly be won. I'm proud of you. Look, Lord, I need to finish this up. This is taking longer than it usually does. <laughs> Give us today our daily bread. You need to cut down on the bread too. Hey, wait a minute. What is this? Criticize me day? Here I was just doing my religious duty, then all of a sudden you break in and remind me of all my hang-ups. Praying is a dangerous thing. You could wind up changed, you know. That's what I'm trying to get across to you. You called me and here I am. It's too late to stop now. Keep on praying. I'm interested in the next part of your prayer. Well, go on. I'm scared to. <laughs> scared of what? I know, I know what you'll say. Try me and see. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. What about Malcolm? See, I knew it. I knew you'd bring him up. Why, he's told lies about me, cheated me out of my money. He never paid back that debt he owed me. I've sworn that if you don't get even, I will. But your prayer, what about your prayer? I didn't mean it. Well, at least you're honest. It's not much fun carrying that load of bitterness around inside, is it? No, but... I'll feel better as soon as I get even. Boy, have I made some plans for Malcolm. He'll wish he never did me any harm. You won't feel any better. You'll feel worse. Revenge isn't sweet. Think of how, un how unhappy you are already. But I can change all that. You can? How? Forgive Malcolm. Then I'll forgive you. Then the hate and the sin will be Malcolm's problem and not yours. You may lose the money, but you will settle your heart. But Lord, I can't forgive Malcolm then why should I forgive you? You're right. You always are. And more than I want revenge on Malcolm, I want to be right with you. All right, I forgive him. Help him to find the right way in life, Lord. He's bound to be awfully miserable now that I think about it. Somehow, some way, show him the right way. There, now. How do you feel? Hmm, not bad, actually. Not bad at all. In fact, I feel pretty great. You know, I don't think I'll have to go to bed up tight tonight for the first time since I can't remember. Maybe I won't be so tired from now on because I won't be getting enough rest. You're not through with your prayer. Go on. Oh, all right. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Good, good. I'll do that. Just don't put yourself in a place where you can be tempted. What do you mean by that? Quit hanging around the wrong places, watching inappropriate movies and television, and buying magazines for the pictures or gossip stories. Also, change some of your friendships. Some of your so-called friends are beginning to get to you. They'll have you completely involved in wrong things before long. Don't be fooled. They advertise they're having fun, but for you, it would be ruin. Please don't use me as an escape hatch. I don't understand. Sure you do. You've done it lots of times. You get caught in a bad situation, you get in trouble, and then you come running to me. Lord, help me out of this mess. I'll promise I'll never do it again. You remember some of those bargains you tried to make with me? Yes, Lord, and I'm ashamed. I really am. Which bargains are you remembering? When I got caught cheating on an exam, when doing burnouts in the church car park. I remember telling you, Lord, please don't let my auntie find out. I'll go to church every Sunday. Your auntie didn't find out, but you didn't keep your promise, did you? I'm sorry, Lord. I really am. Up until now, I thought if I just prayed the Lord's Prayer when it, whenever I felt like it, then I could do whatever I wanted. I didn't expect anything to happen like it did. Go ahead, finish your prayer. Oh, yes. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and forever. Amen. Do you know what would bring me glory? What would make me really happy? 
No. But I'd like to know. I want to please you. I can see what a mess I've made out of my life, Lord, and I can see how great it would really be to be one of your followers. You just answered the question. I did? Yes. The one thing that would bring me glory is to have people like you truly love me. And I can see that happening between us. Now that some of these old sins are exposed and out of the way, well, there's no telling what we can do together. Have a great sleep. Well done, Steve. <laughs> and his auntie, you now know about those burnouts in the church car park, all right? I believe God wants us to be warriors, people who are strong and mighty in prayer, not people who are consumed with worry and fear. And when Jesus' disciples turned to him and said, hey, Jesus, teach us to pray, his response was, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus, he taught his disciples how to pray rather than the specific words to pray. What do I mean by that? At times we actually just do this, you know, like the beginning of the prayer. Oh, this is just my religious duty, my quick prayer for the day. And we pray the Lord's Prayer as if that is it. But instead, the Lord's Prayer was given that we would actually pray, you know, our Father who art in heaven. God, we just rejoice in your goodness. We rejoice that you are enthroned in heaven, that one day we'll be with you, that we build on the Lord's Prayer. We don't just keep it in a succinct form. That's one part of what Jesus taught his disciples of how to pray. Another part of it, though, is that for some of us, when we, we may have heard the Lord's Prayer as elements that allude back to the Exodus story and look forward to the hope of a new Exodus uh, redemption. And we also have some commentators who have traced Israel's history through the Lord's Prayer. Now, they are really interesting facts, but I have to say it's not what God's put on my heart to be able to share with you this morning. The thing that God's put on my heart is that God wants us to be warriors who are mighty in prayer, mighty and strong, that actually people who our prayers avail much because we stand on the solid rock rather than people who are consumed with worry and fear. I have to say, none of us are exempt from worry. Some of us partner with fear a lot quicker than others. I know for me, only the last week, I'd had the surgery and then had change of dressing and then two days later had them ring me and say, oh, the surgeon wants you to come in again because he's not sure about some of the things. What was my immediate thing? Worry. Fear. And God puts this word on my heart. <laughs> What's God saying? Do not be partnering with the worry and the fear. Instead, partner with his truth that he's over and above all things and that he is that solid rock on whom I stand. All right, but do you know what? Too many times I meet people who, despite being, you know, knowing this truth, the truth isn't setting them free because they keep being consumed by that worry rather than being a warrior who is strong and mighty. And the Lord's Prayer, what God's put on my heart to share with you this morning is that it is a prayer for warriors, people who are faithful and are able to stand strong and firm in prayer. And Jesus, he gave us this prayer because he knew that we would need it. 
He said, in this world, you will have trouble. Surprise. That we should not be surprised when we actually face trouble in difficult times. But Jesus then went on and said, but I have overcome the world. So if Jesus has overcome the world, then what is the promise for us? That we are more than conquerors through him. But it is through him, it's not about in ourselves. And, and I know that in our church at this time, I know many a person who's going through tough and difficult times. And just know, I've been pouring out my heart in prayer for you and I'm standing with you in the midst of those difficult times. But we need to remember that we are on the winning side. We need to stop living from a place of defeat because we are mighty warriors, strong and mighty on the Lord's side. And so the prayer starts off, our Father, these words are this term of affection of a child to the Father, a Father who promises to be with this child, a Father who promises to give good things to those who ask of him, a Father who is in heaven. Why is that important? He is over and above all things. He sees the end and what is to come. We at times only see just this little bit in front of us and he sees so much further. And that is why it's putting our hands in his hands and trusting him because he sees what is to come rather than what is at this time. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In declaring God's kingdom come and his will be done, we are surrendering to our own desires, our own will and saying, God, it is yours. It means that we don't get to be the five-year-old in the shopping centre, at the supermarket, at the checkout, stomping our feet and having a temper tantrum because we're not getting the chocolate bar that we wanted. Instead, we've surrendered our desires to God's will. And it's from this position of acknowledging God as our Father and surrendering to his will that we actually pray this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, the prayer of a warrior. And there's three key aspects I wanted to mention this morning, just drawing out from this prayer. The first is from Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. On earth as it is in heaven. Now, if we jump across to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, we will read, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Notice the similarity between the two? They both have the words in heaven and on earth. Why is that important? It's that God's kingdom in heaven we bring on earth. And that the authority Christ has in heaven, he has given to us that we use on earth. The word authority means power with weight. It conveys the idea of spiritual power, but it also carries with it moral authority. So that on earth we have authority that changes lives. It is the power to act. A bit like what Andrew shared before, how he wanted to pray for this guy, and this guy said, no, no, you can't pray for me. You know what? There's a power there to be able to change a person's life, and the person went, no, no. But you know what? God's calling us all to step out and be able to use that authority that we would actually pray and see lives changed and transformed. And so this warrior prayer is a prayer of authority. Jesus, he gave us his authority. And the problem is that for too many, too many of us as Christians, we're not using it. I know years ago, I shared with you before, I was in a life group in Melbourne and the life group leader was witnessing to a Satanist. 
And the Satanist would brag about all the stuff that he could do. I'm not going to say any of them to you, but he, he would brag about them all. But then he, then he turned around and he said to this life group leader, but you Christians have more authority, you've got more power, but you just don't use it. The Satanist knew it. That, and the enemy knows it. And he's scared of it. But he's waiting. But God has given us that authority through Christ. Imagine though, finish the service today, you go out, you get in your car, put the seatbelt on, put the car into drive, put the handbrake or take the handbrake off, and you put your foot on the accelerator and the car doesn't move. What's the problem? You haven't actually turned the key or pushed the button to start the car. For some, their prayer life is exactly that. Going through the motions, but not using the authority to actually really kick it into gear and get it going. Jesus, he gave us his authority that we would not worry, but rather we would be warriors, mighty and strong in prayer. The second is from Matthew chapter 6, verse 11 and verse 13. Give us today our daily bread and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The second one is that we have a prayer of provision. There are two parts of this provision. The first part is for our daily needs. Only this uh, last, about a week ago, I saw this news story of people in Ukraine. Their city had been invaded by Russian troops. It's absolutely been decimated by these troops, but these Russian troops have now pulled out. All right? leaving the city in absolute ruins, buildings just, you know, falling apart, absolutely looted and destroyed. And yet here were the people, these people of Ukraine in this city, and they're celebrating, jumping up and down and rejoicing. And I was looking at it and going, wow. For these people, you could look at the city and go, oh, wow, where do we start in the rebuilding? And instead, what they were looking at was going, we're celebrating because we have our freedom. We are not under oppression any longer. I think, though, it, you know, and what caught me was the fact that I think there are times where we get caught focusing on what we do not have and we get all worked up over it rather than actually celebrating what we do have and giving thanks to God for that. In verse 11, it was, Give us today our daily bread. The word give acknowledges that all that we have, it comes from God. It is not about our own making or our own choosing. You know, look, here's a hard one, hard one, all right? We won't, you know, in terms of offering, does God come first or does he come last? That's, that's a question you can answer yourself. But I will say this, the many a time I've met with people and I've actually, they've gone through and they've gone their budget and gone, oh, I can't afford, I really can't afford, and so God gets less. I have my sister who went to her accountant a number of years ago and the accountant said to her, what's this thing called tithe? And she, said, oh, and she, she, she explained it to him. And he said to her, oh, well, if you just cut down on your tithe, you'll actually be in a much better financial situation. The problem is that we actually, and I, I had someone confidentially who, um, they shared with me that they were withholding because they felt that they didn't have enough to be able to cope and survive. And then that got less and it got less. And then they went, actually, I need to give to God. And they started to, and what they had, then they started to increase and it started to increase. And they realised what they were lacking was their faith and their faithfulness. 
It's asking God, give us our day, our daily bread. It's acknowledging that what we have, it comes from God and not ourselves. And that word today, it indicates that it's about something today rather than something we're storing up for the future. And daily bread means we're asking for the necessities rather than the desserts of the world. Why do we ask God to give us our daily bread? I believe the key to this is actually out of Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8 and 9. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Asking for our daily bread. The other part of the second part of provision is the deliverance from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, if we are asking God to deliver us, you know, to lead us not into temptation, you know, but yet we still play around with the things that are not of God, then those prayers, those words, they are actually just empty, hollow words. We cannot be delivered from the evil one if we are not surrendering everything to Jesus. I had a family when I was back in Adelaide who contacted me and said, Brad, can you come pray through our house? We feel that there's something in our house that's just not right and we want it just to be, you know, can you pray through it, please? I'm like, yep, okay. So we teed up a time. The night before, I just sat before the Lord and prayed for this particular family and their house and what was going on. And God very clearly gave me this vision that when I walked in the front door, immediately turned right. There's a room there, immediately turned left. There'll be a small room and this thing that is in that room on a shelf up in the far corner needs to be removed from the house. That was the vision. Okay, next morning I went to the house. They were like, oh yeah, yeah, let's pray through. And I said, well actually, this is a vision God gave me last night as I was praying for you. And they're like, oh right, well let's go. Turn right, it was their main bedroom. Turn left, it was their wardrobe. Up in the top corner on the shelf... It was actually this stamp collection that this guy had received from someone else and it was worth a significant amount of money. And he went, oh no, I could never get rid of that. We cannot be expecting to be delivered from evil if we keep partnering with it. Because we go, oh, but I like this. Oh, no, no, this is not doing me any harm. Yes, it is. Lay it before God and say, God, if, if, if this is actually not of you, then help me to feel sick about it so I know to get rid of it. That will be a clear indication. But what is evil? Oh, look, bitterness, gossip, greed, you know, anything that is contrary to the nature of God. I love that phrase. What is evil? Anything that is contrary to the nature of God. Deliver us from evil by not leading us into temptation. We all face temptation. None of us are exempt from it. Even Jesus faced temptation, but he never gave in to it. Hebrews 4 verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus was able to withhold, uh, withstand the temptation. Now, if Jesus was able to withstand the temptation, then guess what? Is he able to help us? Yes, he is. So deliverance from evil and lead us not into temptation is only possible if Jesus is the one who is leading us and we are following rather than us going, oh, Jesus, come with me because I'm doing this today and come with me. No, no, no. If he's leading and we are following. So the Lord's Prayer, it's a warrior's prayer. 
a prayer of authority, a prayer of provision. And the third one is from Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This word debts, today, it's, mainly, it's usually interchanged by the word sin. Forgive us our sin as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Let me just unpack this a bit more, though. Debts is not usually a word we use today. But the word debts means dues or duties that is owed and legally due. And we know that Jesus, he paid the price that we were unable to pay. He died on the cross, shedding his blood, you know, giving up his body for us because of our sin. He who is without sin took our sin for us. And so when we say, you know, forgive us our sin... I have to say, at times, we might only think of some of the sins we've done, be it, you know, lying, cheating, slander, gossip, you know, all that sort of, you know, any of that stuff. But the word debts, it implies a failure to do one's duty to keep one's responsibilities. So in praying, forgive us our debts, more than often the sins that might come to mind, it is recognising the responsibilities we may not have honoured or fulfilled. Now, the devil will try and remind us of our sin. But instead of coming under condemnation, we are actually benefactors of grace. And so the Lord's Prayer is a prayer of grace. But that grace is to abound. It's not something that we just store up in ourselves and go, oh, this is good, I know I'm forgiven. No, no, that grace is something that is actually to be expressed out of our life, that we give it and share it with others. We can't expect God to forgive us if we are not prepared to forgive others. The verse says, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Notice that it's written in the past tense, something that we have done rather than something we are still yet to do or something that we are still holding on to. In fact, a couple of verses down in verse 14, it shares the implication is that if we do not forgive others, then God says, I cannot forgive you. God asks us to forgive because it is his to avenge. And when we do not forgive, we're actually instead trying to take matters into our own hands and withholding grace. Many years ago, Leonardo da Vinci, he painted The Last Supper. Beautiful painting, isn't it? Yeah? At the time of painting it, he had an enemy who was a fellow painter. And da Vinci had a bitter argument with this man and despised him. When da Vinci painted the face of Judas Iscariot at the table with Jesus, he used the face of his enemy so that it would be present for ages as the man who betrayed Jesus. He took delight while painting this picture in knowing that others would actually notice the face of his enemy on Judas. As he worked on the faces of other disciples, he often tried to paint the face of Jesus but couldn't make any progress. He felt frustrated and confused. In time, he realised what was wrong. His hatred for the other painter was holding him back from finishing the face of Jesus. Only after making peace with his fellow painter and repainting the face of Judas was he able to paint the face of Jesus and complete his masterpiece. Who are 
you. You are a prayer warrior. If we only knew how much our prayers availed, we would be praying so much more. They would go from being, at times, I believe, tokenistic to instead be things that we just pray, knowing that it moves mountains because it's with authority, it's with provision, and it's with grace. That we are powerful. As Jesus has pointed out through this Lord's Prayer, that we have, it is prayer of authority, prayer of provision, and prayer of grace. What are the areas right now that you feel that you're actually going, God's putting and pressing on my heart, these are the areas I need to actually be stepping into the gap and praying for? Who do you know that's in lack and you need to be praying for provision for them? Who do you know that might be struggling and feeble that you're needing to be praying for authority for them, that they are strengthened? Who do you need to be praying for that maybe you've actually had a falling out with and you're needing to instead pour out grace and forgiveness? That's the challenge. God has called us to be mighty prayer warriors. People who are strong. People who are victorious in battle. We need to stop seeing the battle as something that we are still yet to overcome, but instead see the battle is what already won in Christ and he has called us to stand with him as victors. Years ago, there was the, um, the book, um, Too Busy Not to Pray. I got the audio version because I was too busy. Just so wrong, but anyway. What's the reality? Prayer is something that should be part of our day every day. Not just at a little time, not just as a tokenistic, not as we're on the run or I'm going to bed and I want to have a good night's sleep so I'll pray now. No, no. Prayer, it changes and transforms lives. We've been given authority, provision and grace that we would pray. We're going to have just a few moments just in silence before the Lord. The team's going to come up. Um, we can play Echo Holy, please. Yep. I believe God is wanting to do just that transaction with a number of people here this morning of that deeper prayer of strengthening feeble hands and empowering them with authority of others who are feeling that there's a lack at the moment and it's strengthening them with provision. And others, there's, there's been some bitterness or unforgiveness that's been held and today saying, let my grace abound.